Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jones of all ages, welcome to the main event of the evening. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Steve. Oh, yo! Yo, Joe! Hey, hey, hey! The tank, the chieftain tank, is here. It's live. It's Talking Joe, episode 84, joined by you. Community Focus S-Job 7. Hello, Chief. <laughs> Explain. And a happy Cobra Convergence to all. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, happy Cobra Convergence. We're uh, deep. We're deep into Cobra Convergence first week. Make sure you check out all the other um, contributors to this. Uh, Joe Berg, you've already you kicked us off with day one. Ah, yes. Kind of got a bit of a pass on that one. I mean, (laughs) we just called for community contributions. Everyone shot two-minute videos, and we stitched them together with some overarching uh, continuity. Easy. Mm. (laughs) But I suppose it is in the spirit of Cobra Convergence and community members coming together and all collaborating on basically putting G.I. Joe on the map. But I suppose putting Cobra on the map, hey, why not? Yeah. Yeah. Um, check out today's Cobra Convergence contributor. That is Comic Tropes and tomorrow's Toy Poloi. So all good stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, what have we been up to? This actually uh, scratch all that. I'm not going to catch up. Uh, I'm going straight to the snack police. Potato chips, crisps, biscuits and candy. Washing them down with a whiskey or a brandy. Chewy sweets, cookies, built and jerky. Snacks running fear because we got them at our mercy. We're snackers, attackers. Bad mother truckers and we're eating all the crackers, munchers, crunchers, knockout snacks like we're heavyweight punchers. The snack police are in there, his house. What? He's hungry? Damn. Yeah, I, I'm in the loft. Um, I am hungry. I did not have breakfast and I've got myself a Twix salted caramel extra. <laughs> breakfast mm. of champions right there. Let's crack this open. <laughs> This is not vegan, but, you know. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. We're going inside Chief's mind. This is all covered in sticky liquid. And I'll tell you the reason for that is I knocked over a a cup of coffee (laughs) just for recording. And it went all over this. It went all over the floor. It went over my... um, like, what's the thing where you put all your plugs in? Uh, like the strip the extender, plug. Yeah, the strip this is plug classic thing. Talking Joe on so many levels because oh didn't God. Ben predict a major electrical meltdown happening in your loft? Yeah. Fortunately, that strip plug doesn't look overloaded in the picture that you sent me. But uh, No, there's about three things in there, but um, it also liquid. went over, nice. it also went over a, a copy of Gotham Central comic. Mm. Um, unbagged. It wasn't ported and bagged. Oh, dear. It Christ. was, but I was about to read it. Um... So that is now Caputsville, and I was about to put that lot on eBay as well, the full oh. the full set. So I now need to source another one of those issues. Not ideal. Not um, chief. Okay, you you can't sell it, but surely it's not worth going straight into the bin. I mean, no, you can no, still I'm, read it. Surely. Um, I mean, I might have over exaggerated. It's um, it might be okay, and I could maybe. I mopped it up very quickly, but um, anyway, back to this Twix. How oh, is, is salted a... caramel on a Twix? Oh man, salted caramel has become very much on vogue as a trendy thing, hasn't it? I don't know what what is that supposed to taste like though. Is it just 
is salted caramel literally just salt and caramel mixed together? But yeah, absolutely. The, 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 the sweet spot between savoury and sticky sweet. Mm. That's that beautiful middle ground. I don't know. Does it do anything now, for you, Chief? I am a salted caramel fan, but more in something like an ice cream. Yeah, or... something about the coldness of the ice cream mm. like really adds the third dimension, which is important. I don't know if a chocolate but... will be as successful at room temperature. No, it's it, it tastes like a regular Twix, which is a good bar, but it's almost like they've added an extra element that didn't need to be added. Right. It's almost like, because they've added the salt, they've added... And I'm actually getting grains, big chunks of sea salt in this, um, like crunchy sea salt. Um, it's almost like because they've added the salt, they've added extra sweetener into the caramel, which is making it too sweet. And but, actual grains of salt. I mean, that. Yeah. I just think of your heart, man. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, that's done. I finished it. What have you got? Well, also, uh, a, a, another sweet and savory kind of snack. This is a chi- Chinese uh, rice cake. The brand is called Want Want. <laughs> <laughs> yes, God yes. Bless Chinglish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shelly, Senbei, rice crackers. <laughs> um, look, you always catch me. These podcast sessions are always directly after dinner time. And tonight we had another bit of Chinese cuisine. We had a hot pot, and that is a lot of vegetable meat and there's a root that we put in it uh lotus root yes all right so it's very filling and because you know a hot pot is essentially like um a a fondue stew yeah you never can keep track of how much you've ate (laughs) you know you're just plunging stuff into the 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 boiling broth yes and then plucking it out with your chopsticks and chomping it and like you always end up gorging yourself so I'm going to go with a rice cracker. There are two in each individually wrapped bags. They're disc-shaped, and they've got like a sweet, sugary um, yeah. glaze on the top. Uh, but they are actually savory underneath. Give it a good old snap for y'alls. Want one, maybe, maybe. Mm. Once again, too sweet. So just like the Chief, Yeah. I think this is a, a one, one thumb up kind of snack. Yeah, yeah I'm going similar, similar. Um, Right, I'm fully fueled up now, so I will give everyone a quick uh, round-up of what the Chief's been up to. So, first order of business, I completed The Last of Us 2 on the PlayStation 4. 27 hours, 21 minutes, and that is a lot of game. Now, I've got a lot to say here, I'm going to keep it brief. Um, it was fairly evident to me halfway through the game that I preferred the first one. The first one, I think I clocked in at somewhere between 16, 16 to 18 hours, maybe, something like that. Maybe 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 it was about eighteen, I think, and that was pitched at just the right length of game. This, at one point, got very grindy, got very monotonous, and it was just I was only playing it purely to get to the end to say I finished it. Um, now, st- this got a lot of. It's obviously been highly rated, but it has got a lot of flack for its violence and the level of violence that you have to inflict on other people in order to progress. And it's supposed to be, a, you know, a commentary of modern society. Not that we all go around stabbing each other in the necks and things on a day-to-day yet. basis, but yet, but you know, what you've got to do in order to survive in what is kind of a post-apocalyptic kind of world-ish. Now, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. People who haven't played this or the first one, spoilers for the first game as well. So skip ahead. I don't know, five minutes. So th- the first game is insert set- time code here. Yes. Ding! 
<laughs> Skip to the following time code. 17 minutes and 30 seconds. Ding! Please continue, Chief. Perfect. <laughs> um, so this is set, the first game is set in a in modern day, and there's been some kind of outbreak. It's an infection. It's kind of zombie-ish in that regard. Uh, no one knows what's happening. The lead character, Joel, um, he's, it, this game starts off with a big 10-minute like, video sequence almost. Well, you're part playing, but part video and you kind of try and escape you're harassed in the streets and then you escape with his brother Tommy and his little girl and it gets to a bit at the end of that scene where his girl actually um, gets shot and killed and so straight off the bat it's like whoa you are not expecting that and then fast forward X amount of years it does it's an in a, indetermined amount of time and there's like almost pockets of resistance around the world and there's these infected the zombie things are roaming around the countryside and it turns out that there's this girl who has been Ellie who has been bitten but not infected and she is immune and she's the first case of immunity ever and there's across the country in California there's this group of scientists who believe they can um, reproduce a cure from her blood so Joel then takes on stewardship of Ellie to take her it's a road movie to take a road game to take her cross country to this lab and the first game follows that that narrative. And I don't know if you've played. Have you played the first one or not? <laughs> That's a negative, Chief. I've regressed in my gaming. In fact. Yeah, you're back to retro, aren't you? Big time. Any anyway, the crux of this second game is the fact that Joel did not let those scientists go through with the operation on Ellie because it would have killed her. So it's that old conundrum: Do you go back and kill Hitler or whatever? You know, uh, it's in a similar vein. It's is Ellie's death worth it if it saves the population of the world? Um, mm. However, however, ethics class back in however, there is there is no guarantee that the cure will work. So add to adding more conundrum in. So what the game does very cleverly is that storytelling is key here, and it does feel like you're just grinding through play sections to progress to the next cutscene. However, that's not to say that the playing of the game isn't fun, because for the majority of the time it is. And maybe fun's the wrong word, because when you're inflicting all this violence, but the game's, the mechanics are tight, and the game looks gorgeous. So the crux... A game's never done this to me before, so there's a scene, and again, this is heavy spoiler, so hopefully you've skipped forward to the time code that uh, Steve has put in. But there's a scene <laughs> where Joel has been captured by another group of survivors... Ellie's gone to find him. She's been kind of tied down. She's burst into a room where they've got Joel. She's been pinned down. And there's a girl there called Abby who... And you look at Joel and he has been literally tortured almost to death. And she gets... I think it's a golf club. And then you see her just smash his... Cave his face in with a golf club and murder him. And this is the moment where I've never wanted anything more in a video game ever than what I wanted to do for the rest of the game was finally take control of Ellie or take take re-control of Ellie when they knock her out and leave her and then when she wakes up and you take take back playing of her there's only one thing that was satisfying that was finding Abby and killing her mm. um, for murdering who was Joel who became this surrogate father figure for Ellie and he was so well acted and played out through both games I was like this guy's an absolute legend and I've just seen what I feel is almost like a close friend or my lead character's father get brutally murdered. 
I have to, it becomes a revenge flick. And it reminded me of Kill Bill, actually. Huh. In that, you know, the bride is then seeking revenge on everyone involved. And Ellie goes after Abby, but along the way ends up killing all of her close friends along the way to get to Abby. And right. what the game does is, halfway through the game, I didn't know this happened, you stop playing as Ellie and you start playing as Abby. No. And I resented that at the time because I'm like, I don't want to play as this villain. I don't want to have to do that. But it goes back in time. So you play the time period that you played as Ellie, you play that then as Abby. And what the game did was, it actually made me do a 180. And Sympathy for the devil, huh? Simp- I was then on Abby's side because it turns out that when Joel rescued Ellie from the end of number one to get her away from the lab, he ended up killing the scientists and the doctors. And one of the doctors that he shot in the head was Abby's dad. So it's almost like Batman and Joker. You made me, I made you. You know, I fell in the acid, you made me, and all whatever that kind of thing. You shot my parents, you made me. <laughs> this is Ellie seeking revenge, but by Joel killing Abby's dad, he instigated this cycle of revenge in the first place. And That's what it, an eye for an eye will get you. But Chief, did you get to have any satisfaction by the end of it? I mean, if well, you're basically drumming up sympathy for both of these characters well no i kind of turned i kind of i kind of in a way turned against ellie because there's a scene where she's in a relationship with another another woman who as it turns out is pregnant and they're they're in love with each other that ellie and uh, dina and dina's about to have a kid but dina has tagged along on ellie's revenge trip and you keep thinking ellie you should be taking your lover and unborn child home to the camp and if you want to continue this pursuit, do it alone. Don't drag yeah. her in and make this her involved in It's not going to end well to have a pregnant woman in tow. And it, there's a bit, on about 25 hours, it ends where they've had the confrontation. Abby and Ellie have had the confrontation. And Abby kind of has got a gun on her and basically says, if I ever see you again, I'll kill you. You know, off you go. Mm-hmm. And they part ways. Uh, Ellie goes back to the ranch, to the farm, and you get this 20-minute long cutscene. Uh, or wait, you're still playing, you're walking around the farmyard area, but Dina and Ellie have kind of at peace, and they've everything's behind them now. The kid's been born, so it's obviously fast-forwarded, and they're on this peaceful scene, and that is that was a really good ending to the game, you know. But the game doesn't end there. You then get what I thought was, I was putting the pad down. <laughs> Neither does the review. <laughs> you get... You get <laughs> uh, I need to remind you of your own words here, Chief. Um, a I'll brief. keep it brief. Yeah, I've got a lot to say, yeah. but I'll keep yeah. it brief. <laughs> it's Chief, so- Chief Soapbox. Uh, we've given them a timestamp. They can avoid all this stuff. Um, Indeed. But then, just like Game of Thrones. Just yeah. Joel's brother had has come back on the scene, Tommy, who he set out to get revenge in the first place on Abby, and Ellie followed him. But he's come back, he's got a busted up leg and a face because he got embroiled in this scrap with um, Abby and Ellie where we thought it was ending. And he now says, I'm, uh, she's been spotted on the West Coast. Uh, I can't go because of my smashed up leg. You need to you need to finish off the, the this this vengeance. And Dina's like, what are you talking about? You know, we got a family, we're both mothers. What are you talking about? And then in the middle of the night, Ellie sneaks off to go after Abby again even though it had been resolved that she was happy with her situation, Dina catches her about to sneak off and says, look, what are you doing? It's, and, but she doesn't, and I wanted her to say, look, it's, it's me or her. If you leave, don't ever come back because you're abandoning me and your child. That never happens. She just says, you know, fine, if you were going to go, go. And then you have to then play another two and a half hours of game with Ellie trying to find Abby. Uh, and then you finally find... Her, she's been captured by another rogue group that's just been um, put into the mix and 
you then I, I put the pad down and I almost refused to play because you <laughs> then have to have a fight scene between the two of them and you have to play as Ellie now and you're trying to kill Abby and I was like I don't want to I don't want the game to force me to play as Ellie trying to kill Abby I don't want that so I just put the pad down and said I'm not going to play and let this scene work out itself with the with with the computer AI and it ends up Abby ends up killing Ellie and then the game just says game over you know it just resets you back to the beginning of that scene again so it forces you to play that scene out and actually how the scene plays out is Ellie has flashbacks of Joel drops to her knees and then they actually end up do going their separate ways however when she does go home to the ranch Dina and the kid have left so it was a she made a choice for revenge which she ultimately didn't take and then she lost her current life as a result of it there you go probably nothing new to current modern gamers but it seems like contemporary games are really doing their utmost to mess with your mind yes. because you can jump into the body and life and history of multiple characters and build them all up as protagonists in your mind and then be forced to choose between them that's hardcore man damn yeah. So I can see your pain, Chief. Whilst I was playing it, I definitely did feel I just want to get to the end now. The game is too long. That is definitely yeah. a fault of the game. It is too long. However, now having a week to have mulled over, I think I will play it again, but I'll probably leave it at least a year. So, <laughs> right. There you go. There you go. Uh, that's my that's my catch up. What have you been up to? <sighs> Reading some comics, Chief. Good man. <laughs> <laughs> Someone needs to. Yeah, buddy. Let's do some comic talk. Right, comic here we go. <clears throat> so, I mean, I was going to do I'm retro gaming. That's what I'm playing. So yeah, well, I was on my soapbox. Do yours, yeah. <laughs> oh, you'll be failing. <laughs> Nintendo power. Not in the shower. Sega for the ages. Ghouls and Ghosts rages. rages. And now, uh, what? No. Sony PlayStation <laughs> gave me sensations. <laughs> Atari, Atari Jaguar. Jaguar. How did, did it, it get this get far? far. <laughs> and now I Bring have it to back, go. man. Live. Oh, jeez. Love it. I love it. I love your dedication. Um, but right now, <laughs> we're going to talk some Red American Hero. It's Comic Talk. It's Comic Talk, baby. Chief and Steve discussing like crazy. Larry Harmer riding these bad boys, making sense of the wackiest toys. Listen as we talk about story arcs, making noise louder than Junkyard Box, talking about character motivations and all the various G.I. Joe fun locations. <laughs> um, so, uh, this is uh, 207 and 208. Let's look at the mm. cover. I have the Scarlet Roblox Snake Eyes cover. Yes, as do I. Uh, the sketch doesn't look like it. Uh, I can't even make it out. Sorry. No, I can't. <laughs> I can't either. Yeah, do you, do you like this one? I have a question for you, Chief. Golden was here? Yeah, I'm trying to recall a Michael Golden cover that was similar to this that Gallant is riffing on. But off, I didn't do any research or look back, but off the top of my head, I can't think of what it would be. Right. I'm, refer, I'm, I'm assuming it refers to a Michael Golden cover from the Marvel run. Oh, I'll tell you what it is. I th is it the yearbook? The Snake okay. Eyes pose reminds me maybe of the yearbook. Have a look at the yearbook cover. But there's more Joes in that one, I think. Yeah, I it know. would have Torpedo with the with the pig and uh, rip cords in there. I think the Snake Eyes pose, he's down on one knee, isn't he? Uh, firing an Uzi. 
Yeah. Maybe not two hands out in the golden one, but... Golden Sphere, sure. Scarlet's got a Cobra satchel on her. Mmm, top secret. Yes, top secret. Glad they do the the embroidering on the bag, just to make sure you know. (laughs) I like the fact that Snake Eyes is in his commando duds. Always enjoy yes, that. Yes, we've not seen these. When was the last time we saw these? Uh, well, Can't look, think. he did wear them in the uh, Siege of the Pit. Right, I yeah, don't think we yeah. commented on it, but it's nice to see a return to the goggles. I think yes. all too often artists just default to the visor, but here we have Gallant, like making a concerted effort to have Snake Eyes in his commando duds, you know, in yep, a, cool. a number of, of, of consecutive issues. Yep, yep. Um, then we go to 208, which is our old friend 921 is back, or Silver Samurai, should I say, and it looks like she is about to uh, give Snake Eyes a bit of a headache, or a headless, <laughs> headless headache. Hmm. Let's give those motherfuckers a haircut! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man, once again, the best thing going for it is Snake Eyes and his commander duds. Not mad about the Silver Samurai. No, it's uh, the cover's okay. It looks a little bit rushed, maybe. Oh, really? It's okay. I, I kind of like the perspective. It shows you how strong nine nine two one is, lifting up Snake Eyes Vader style with one hand. But um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Okay. Look, I mean, no backgrounds really on either of these covers. No. Uh, so save no. saving time on those kind of chores. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's not bad. Let's let's get to the interiors. Oh, I remember now, actually, um, why uh, S-Jobs was giving me the hurry up on The Last of Us chat. is because he's actually got a prior engagement coming up, uh, paid work. So, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Sorry, S-Jobs. Um, <laughs> we'll still get there in time. Um, <laughs> no, Chief, you're not using me as your excuse. You're a G.I. Joe podcast, brother. Yes, Let's get yeah. to the G.I. Joe. That's it, you got it. Um, last time on A Real American Hero... Jinx and Pale Peony lead an operation to investigate Revanche Robotics in Dublin in pursuit of a new computer chip they're developing for Cobra. But they run afoul of Android 921, a hulking woman in samurai armor. Defeated in battle, they are dragged away to parts unknown. Meanwhile, an unexpected meeting with Sean Collins, Wade Collins' son, leads Scarlet and Snake Eyes to discover a new Crimson Guardsman embedded close by to G.I. Joe's Fort Wadsworth base. Which is... Very much on the back burner of anyone's yes. priorities in these issues. Yes. Correct, correct. Right. I suppose someone else on the Joe team is keeping tabs. In that recap, I like the bit where they said they are dragged to parts unknown. And that, I don't think that's a reference to it, but whenever I was watching uh, WWF wrestling in the 80s, and they would have someone like the Ultimate Warrior or the Undertaker, and they'd read out their weight, and they'd say, the Undertaker weighing in at 310 pounds, hailing from parts unknown. So. <laughs> mm, nice, nice. Yeah, this is where my memory of these issues starts to be a bit fuzzy. I kind of remember the IDW stuff up to <laughs> As now. As opposed to what, Chief? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. No, remembering things in a very broad sense that happened, you know, plot points, so to speak. But here, I, you know, I'm struggling to remember any of this from the first read I did at the time. And just to say, this is from October 2014, this issue. But these issues are starting to get a little bit out of my comfort zone so to speak um i think Mm. i not necessarily i think you put up with the blue ninjas i was actually quite enjoyable but here the the level of advancements and the superheroish nature of these new and these new revanche androids is just pushing it a little bit too far for me Uh, it seems to be kind of elastic there are times when jinx can take out a whole army of blue ninjas single-handedly 
And there are times when one seems to like absolutely put her in her place, along yes. with Pale Peony. But aside from that, I, I don't know, Chief. I'm I'm always going to be like, give us named Cobra baddies and Destro organization baddies yeah. to take to take down. Yeah. Those guys are still at large. Like these side quests kind of push G.I. Joe away yeah. from what I enjoy seeing. Uh, you know, like yeah. who are these characters? I, 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 I give rocks about the Silver Samurai 91. Uh, she's just another, another pop-up target. We do, get, yeah. um, we do get three named Cobra villains at the end of the next issue, at the end of 2.0, which is nice. Yep. Yeah, but I do think that's bordering on fan service. Right. I know I'm being a hypocrite right now, but I think like throwing those three together with their kind of differing but intersecting specialties, uh, I don't know if they're the best fits. And, and I think like that's really just like to, to pander to the fans of Copperhead, Scrap Iron and Firefly in one fell swoop. Yes. It's not necessarily letting those characters shine. And you'll see in later issues, they don't get to shine. In oh, their right. individual, like what they add to the Cobra tapestry. But okay. anyways, getting back to this issue, it yes. seems um, the art chores once again favor the, um, uh, the a sequence from, from Kill Bill. It's come up already in this chat. Uh, you might have missed it in the spoiler edition of uh, Last of Us 2. But uh, we have Pale Peony and Jinx both in boxes. And the art uh, reflects that they're kind of boxed in each panel is box shaped and very yes. confined they're wriggling they're trying to to escape this this very dark situation and jinx pulls out of her hair a hair clip mm-hmm. uh almost a, a kind of a the same framing and the same pose as scarlet in issue 21 yeah yeah you good know. catch good catch Posing. and it's a tricked out hairpin though of course yes machine tooled by long range in his gun shop <laughs> To have uh, a serrated toothed edge. Yeah, yeah. Long range, the artillery man. Okay, yeah. right. The artillery sniper man, yeah. <laughs> the yeah, everything very cool. man. Very cool. Small um, arms armorer. Yes, yes. And then they, they kind of, well, they don't bust out uh, bride style, do they? Because they actually, the, they're on a flatbed truck and that get they get dunked in the river and it ends up, actually, she is doing some sort of fist womp, Jinx. Yeah, she can't manage to get enough of a hole uh, because, of course, these boxes are tumbling into the Liffy. Yeah. What is curious to me, and I know we're jumping forward somewhat, um, a box that's filled with air, essentially, the fact yes. that it sinks right to the bottom like a stone, and uh, Scarlet and Snake Eyes have to jump in after it. I mean, hmm. those boxes would be bobbing on the surface for a good long while before they took I on enough so. water. Maybe, maybe Jinx had put a big enough hole in it with her punch for her one to have started taking on water more rapidly. Larry, give that man a no prize. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One thing I do want to touch on here is Snake Eyes, Roblox and Scarlet have come to Dublin to, I guess, have they just been deployed there because we haven't heard from Jinx and Pale Peony. They haven't done their regular check-in call-in signal. Oh, and of course, Chuckles has drawn the connection between all the references to the fair city and Dublin. What super spy sleuthing that took. <laughs> yes, yes. And so they've dispatched these guys to, to follow up the lead or the, the, the trail's gone dead, the communications have gone dead. So they send these three guys over. And one thing I want to pick up, which we have seen with fairly regular occurrence in the all of G.I. Joe comics, is the security guard at the Dublin airport, or whoever it is, she's looking at passports. And 
Snake Eyes passport has a black piece of tape over it and she's like, right, I'm going to peel this tape off, then look under your mask. She peels the tape off and she does the standard um, Larry Harmer or written face of aghastness <laughs> of what a horror face this is. And then she says, I don't need to look under your mask. But I was just thinking, what if this guy was just a regular Joe Public who had been caught in a really bad car accident or a fire and he had a disfigured face and he had a, a mask on to kind of hide it from the public. Is it a fair reaction to just say, ah, you're so disgustingly ugly? Oh, Siobhan, eh? She's uh, yeah. particularly sensitive, is she? No, but that's the, that's the reaction that everyone gives. I know it's a way to show how badly disfigured he is, but I don't know, it just feels a bit um, unsensitive from everyone. Big time, big time. Um, and you just reminded me of a quote from issue 155. There must have been a time like post Snake Eyes' disfigurement and burns, where he didn't have a rubber mask. And uh, he wrote in the letter to Sean Collins that he got used to people talking to him while staring at his top button on his shirt. Right, okay. That people would avert their eyes downwards. Nice, yeah, And yeah, not yeah. look him in the face. Yeah. So it says to me that, like, yeah, that for a time he did walk around burned. Yeah. Maybe, may, look, maybe that was just while he was recuperating in the wards. Maybe after getting rotated into G.I. Joe work, it was rather cumbersome to, to be disfigured. I mean, it just occurs to me, like, what was it like for the rest of the team to have Snake Eyes back? Surely they must have all thought, this guy's going to retire. Like, take his purple hearts and his, yeah. his, his, his disability benefits and, like, live the good life. Yeah, all those medals locked in the vaults that he can never actually access. But no, he came back yeah. into G.I. Joe. Yeah. Yeah. crazy man crazy but i suppose it's a practical thing like you can't be sitting on an airline with a face that looks like a, a, <laughs> um let's uh, let's break this down there's three main kind of things run through these issues we've got the the dublin stuff we've got the stuff in the pit and then we've got the stuff with fred so yeah let's 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 discuss all this dublin stuff first just a cap off siobhan though <laughs> some serious like workplace inappropriateness going on there between her and her her boss yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it gives her a little peck on the cheek, and uh, not have to read between the lines too, too, too much. I mean, was that a tattoo? Is that a cheeky little emoji? He's basically <laughs> blowing her a kiss, and Galant has actually drawn a heart. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, she says, "Oh, go on, you big lug," and he says, "I owe you a big one, Siobhan." <laughs> oh, zing! Yeah, zing, double zing, big zing. Um, there you go. It's the big, Wild West in Dublin, that's bro. It, that's it. Anything goes, man. <laughs> Anything goes. Guinness on tap. We find out that Jinx, before they go in the river, Jinx and Palpini are in these boxes. And is it made clear that the person driving this truck is 921? I guess it is because at the end of the last issue, she's dragging them by the hair saying um, you're going to be dissected and analysed and all that kind of stuff before you're killed. So... I guess it is, but the thing that made me think it wasn't is she was about eight to nine foot tall previously when we'd seen her, <laughs> uh, unless there was big heels on those samurai shoes. But here she's just looking regular sized in all the scenes she's in driving the truck and the fighting. Yeah, man, maybe it's a real big truck. It's that kind of forced <laughs> oversized, oversized truck, yeah, yeah. just for oh, giants. Geez. Good question, um, man. I, I'm actually trying to get a handle on the scaling of her. I mean, there are combat sections where you've got her facing off against guys but they're never drawn well no i suppose uh, roadblock kind of puts his foot through the 
the the front glass of the truck. Yep, yep. And they are pretty similar in size, I'd say, judging from yes. that piece of artwork. But of course, Roadblock is a giant. You know, yeah, he is not a normal sized man. No. Um, so I don't know, Chief. I I couldn't honestly tell you. Yeah, she makes the decision quite early, nine two one, to dump this cargo. It felt like they she really needed to get these two. I say two Joes because I guess Palpini technically is the one now. But get these two <laughs> Joes back to wherever this revanche secret base was to you know dissect them and take them apart. But she's quite happy to dump them into the river just to get her exfil sorted. The wet cements of these villains. Uh motivations i guess she maybe she was just trying to score points with her bosses yes but like yeah. when when it hit the fan she was like ah oh, let me lose these guys maybe they'll throw what's his name oh hey. mccarthy gerard mccarthy oh. <laughs> throw him yeah. off her, her track <laughs> yeah yeah and she mysteriously gets blown up because roadblock he how does he take him out Oh no! There's the, tr- the the truck crashes, doesn't it? Sorry, the truck crashes, and she's gone, and Pale Peony is gone, presumed dead because there's a big pile of ashes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, big time. That's so, um, not a great think, way to go, huh? Well, I, I don't know. My first, and again, I can't remember. But my first assumption is that Pale Peony is clearly not dead. She's jumped out of this truck and in the river or something. But if this is her dead, it seems a very low key way to go out. Well, not low key, but just in terms of, you know no one's grieving or mourning and it's just move on to the next plot point so i'm assu- i'm 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 anticipating her return but i don't know yeah keep that candle burning chief oh wow okay okay <laughs> could come any day now okay, i don't know right. look honestly we're heading into uncharted territory for me as well okay fine fine mm. um i'm gonna carry this plot point into the next issue and then we'll go back and talk about the pit stuff um just because we're on a good good thread here um yeah, they they end up in the revanche electronics headquarters in dublin the the joes and and Jer- our man jerry and uh i had to google something here because the the receptionist says and i'm not going to try and butcher gaelic speak but it's something i thought what's she speaking here and it turns out it's like special detectives anod specialta blechterecta there you go. I did I'm butcher it. Not going to butcher Gaelic. I'm going to butcher Gaelic. <laughs> so I googled it, and that's like special detective units. So very good because they weren't actually referenced at the beginning of the last issue about who this unit was that Scarlet and and the guys had hooked up with. But now we know there's special detective unit and real thing. It, well, I, yeah, I think so because when I googled that phrase, that Gaelic phrase, it did it did come back with a hit uh, that that looked you know correct and proper cool. so larry's done research there which is nice i get the feeling that larry's um in recent recent to writing this uh script he had visited ireland he had visited dublin right there was a letters page hint that he dropped that like he was going uh to a convention in the united kingdom and probably dublin uh, probably ireland as well yes yeah well um, that would make I- sense because i met him at the uk convention in 2014 so in 20 yeah he was there in well he was there in 2013 and 2014 okay. yeah both so times. he says that visiting that region always kind of reinvigorates his his yeah. desire to kind of break out of the box and visit uh european locations yep i think you're mm. probably right would have been lovely to have a uk based storyline but there you go damn Th- these revanche guys don't waste any time in in assuming threats are around the corner because this uh, receptionist has basically got up from her desk and 
has some kind of inbuilt guns in her forearms and ammo belts attached out of her triceps. Brilliant. You seldom <laughs> see like practical details like bullet belts and bandoliers. Like the the feed goes out of her triceps, as you said, into her body. She's a very slinky body. I mean, she's like a fembot, dude. Yes. With like yes. calf high boots and a very short dress. So where she's storing her ammunition must be in her booty. Because there is not much meat, or I don't suppose it is meat, it's probably synthetic, I don't know, meat substitute, um, (laughs) making up this this robot. Uh, She can't have too much ammunition in there, but I'll take it. Oh, so often do we see, like, characters deploy, like, rotary cannons, mini guns from their hands and stuff, and you're wondering to yourself, hmm... Okay, that thing spits out like a thousand rounds a minute or yeah, more. Yeah. Where, where are you keeping all the bullets? One of them that's uh, engaging Scarlet and Jinx has got like almost a broadsword that's that's come <laughs> out of her arm. Um, so these guys aren't messing about. X-Men Origins Wolverine's Deadpool. <laughs> this felt like an X-Men comic. This or this scene felt like an X-Men comic. It really did. Totally. You know, they felt like X-Men villains, uh, Spiral and um, Lady Deathstrike and all these kind of characters just gave it that feel. And look at Roadblock, look at the size of his gun on that page where uh, Jerry has shot this fembot in the face. Yeah. And Roadblock's got his his 50 cal over his shoulder. I mean, that's a, that's a hefty weapon. And he's also hauling a big mallet in the other hand. <laughs> that roadblock should come with that accessory. In fact, oh, I think he great. did at, at some stage. Really? It's some big old tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he uses it later on. He uses it later on. There is a scene that I'll talk about in a minute in between. But he uses it later on to smash. They, they've made it into the crash, which is what they were trying to defend. And he's effectively killing... Oh no, the first one is he uses it to smash the door open, but then when they get into the crash, 921 is there back in the Silver Samurai garb, and this is where we find out that is there multiple 921s or versions of that thing, because it's almost like there's one host body locked in cryogen or some kind of or containment one, one system. consciousness, one con- Like a hive mind, yeah. Yeah, it's the mind controlling the impervious, indestructible body. Yes, yes. And hmm. you would imagine this is an actual real person and Roblox just straight up murders them. Basically takes yeah. a sledgehammer and crushes their skull in. Yeah? After Scarlet tells off Jinx, like, don't go in there looking for revenge. We want to take this thing alive. Yeah. Roblox just performs the coup de grace. Oi, oi, oi. Yeah. Okay. And Get you your know, story I, straight, guys. <laughs> I don't know where the line comes between taking prisoners and just flat out murdering someone, a defenseless... Okay, fine, this hive mind is controlling these other things that are trying to off the Joe team. Yeah, but, but presumably it is a human being yeah. lying in some kind of stasis. It's completely defenseless at yeah. that stage. And he has you literally know, Show some restraint. <laughs> Jinx gets a, a, a silenced pistol in the beginning of the sequence. She does, yes. She subsequently yeah. doesn't ever use it, but uh, that's nice. I've never seen her handling firearms. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. And what do you think about... Once they've breached, they're going into the crash, but first of all, they're encountering one looks like uh, a six-legged Ravage. Uh, definitely the head looks kind of Ravage-ish, Transformers, yeah, although more eyes. <laughs> from and, the, the Bay movies. Yes, from the Bay <laughs> movies. And then we also get an Ed 209 straight out of Robocop, although here he's called TK 209. Very good. What do you suppose the TK stands for? <sighs> I don't know. Nah, um, I couldn't tell you either. Nothing. Got nothing. But um yeah, TK four two six, take over. <laughs> T 
TK426. 421. 421. Oh, gee. You're killing me, man. TK421. Take over. We got a bad transmitter. I really need to watch Star Wars again, but I can't bring myself to watch anything other than the bloody theatrical releases. And uh, we just got in Disney Plus. Okay. The wife Ah, caved. I ah, didn't do it. Okay. But of course, I can't watch that shit. Well, I'll tell you what you can watch is you can go and stick on the Clone Wars and you can go and listen to Clone Wars Dispatch. I can finally do that or do it properly at least. Yes. Yes. Okay, uh, what, hey, what do you Chief, think? Did you notice that we've got uh, a Commonwealth colloquialism that I that I entered into the lexicon uh, pop up on one of the pages? Uh, are you talking about uh, uh, Liffy? Uh, no, Shamozzle. Oh, Shamozzle. Yeah. Where's that? Uh, which I, missed it. I I listed. It's on uh, in my digits called page six. It's probably page seven. It's on a page. It's on a page. It's on a page. It's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good old, uh, uh, what's his, whatever his name is, the security dude, the, the local enforcement guy, Jerry. He says, hit three. <laughs> oh, fuck, I can't do Not no. Irish. Not no, Irish. don't do that. Suck it on my thumb. Hit three, and you'll be gone unless you're in the mood for a bit of a schmozzle yourself. Uh, more Scottish. <laughs> that sounded Scottish. Well, God kind of, damn it. Kind of like an Indian hi- Scottish hybrid. That had a face like a backside of a Kilkenny wheelie bin. To the lift then. Hit three and you'll be gone unless you're in the mood for a bit of a schmozzle yourself. <laughs> anyway. Um. <laughs> Anyways, you, you get what I'm talking about. He's yes. telling a, a, a goober, a little techie, a nerdy dude in the lift to, you know, hit the, 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 the floor on the lift and then get the hell out. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Silver Samurai back again. Looking bigger again now. Um, <laughs> once she's back in her outfit. But interesting that they, they go with this kind of hive mind mentality thing because that was almost a successor to the bn001 which was mm. kind of a similar thing was it was that was he a hive mind or not uh bn001 no the 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 robots could move and attack independently of bn001 yes but the hive mind aspect came in the fact that like they could download themselves or upload themselves into a kind of a cloud right and and carry on like, BN001's consciousness wouldn't be lost to the world if the body was destroyed. No. I think that's what I got from that. Right, okay, yes, yes. And this is kind of the third iteration, I guess, from the Blue Ninja to the CBX units, now to these these kind of... Well, she called herself, in the previous episode we covered, she called herself didn't she, the ultimate advancement in humanity, or some words to that effect. So, Based upon what? I think there's yeah. a bit of a downgrade, to be honest. To have the... The O2 Easy taken out controlling consciousness. Once you've located that and it's a physical thing, you can destroy it. It's like the bloody escape clause on the um, episode one. You know, you destroy the droid army by taking out the control ship. Yes, That's it. Yes. They all switch off. Yeah. I mean, and also, on. if you've got to go around wearing a big samurai outfit, that's going to hamper you a little bit, I think, your, your army. Just a little bit. But uh, I don't know how Scarlet figured it all out. She's like she's theorized all all everything basically, you know, based upon very little evidence. But yeah. hey, she's a but, jojo. But, and that's kind of how that storyline kind of concludes across these two issues. That's it. You know, Roblox has smashed up the the hive mind controlling unit or person and I guess we see where that goes in upcoming issues. The other storyline we're obviously going to have a look at across these two issues is the big eyeball which I believe is, in 207, they reference, it's almost a reference to kind of Area 51, because he says Roswell, doesn't he? He says um, mm. the real action was happening here. So G.I. Joe is becoming a X-Files book to a certain extent. 
because we're basically saying this is an alien life form, I assume, from outer space. Oh, yes. But, in the same breath, not a Transformer. No. I think, definitively, by having Storm Shadow reappear by distracting everyone with a Bumblebee movie-verse action figure, that, along with the the appearance of Jetfire slash Megatron in Special Missions 5 showdown but basically it says to me that in in larry harmer's gi joe universe transformers are a work of fiction yes yes because there are toys based on them correct we've seen someone yeah. in the the night raven issue where they give it he gives out toys only give a jet fire and he calls it um, something else he calls it megatron or something doesn't he other way around yeah okay right it's a yeah, megatron yeah. action figure that he calls Jetfire and says he transforms into a swing wing fighter no, it doesn't. It transforms into a Nazi <laughs> pistol. But anyways. <laughs> Easy mistake to make. <laughs> was Pale Peony in a Russia car game? Well, uh, has she got the, did she have the tattoo or not? Not that I could see. She had stars and she would wear a armband that had the Japanese rising sun. Yeah. I want to say but, no then. Yeah. She seems to be given like Arashikage burial rights. I mean, yes. she's in... Her ashes are in an urn that bears the hexagram. Yep. And Storm Shadow saying, I'm going to take this back to Demon Granny. Yeah. Maybe she just gets the benefit of a friend of the family. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, she died basically on a Arashikage quest. It was Demon Granny that sent her and Jinx yep. on this mission. Well, no, wait a minute. She's not dead. She's not dead. I'm telling you. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. From presume, the ashes. Presumed dead. Literally. Yes. Yeah. Just very, very quickly jumping back to this big eye thing. How do you feel about the Joes effectively just being the little man, the pawns, because Joe is saying, look, you only got the Defiant and you got all this equipment and this base and everything. You only got all that as a cover for us to do our alien investigations. So you're just pawns in a bigger picture, really. Now, that's clever on at least one or two fronts, because there has been a lingering question and it has come up in a recent letters page, in fact. Like, how does G.I. Joe have the budget to maintain an aircraft carrier and a space shuttle? Yes, And yes. And the second part to that request was, like, can we see the Defiant uh, in action again? And Larry was like, it ain't easy to work in a space shuttle complex to you know the regular story that i'm trying to tell like it would take you know it would be a break from the norm it would be its own special thing yes yes. i think the request still stands but uh but that that was how he kind of dials some some water on those flames but yeah like this is his in-universe way of saying okay gi joe an anti-terrorist task force this is why they've got access to all these toys yeah because they're taking out more than just blue-shirted baddies yeah it kind of adds another layer of depth doesn't it and um just answers a few a few questions that have been niggling around what what do you what, like that as a as as a reason for those things chief yeah I'm, i i mean i think it helps to make sense of it so yeah i'm i'm okay with that i'm, I'm okay with that what i don't understand is how they know that a nuke is not going to blow up this eyeball thing <laughs> Um, because uh, Duke says, do you even know if a nuke will phase it? And they say, a nuke won't dent it. Well, how do you know? Unless you try it, how do you know? I'm not, I'm not advocating trying out a nuke just for the sake of it, but basically they don't want to, to... There needs to be nothing that can destroy it, so we need to effectively control it instead and 
I suspect this is going to go nowhere. Do we actually find out what this eyeball is either A, attached to or what the agenda is? Or Well, in actual fact, uh, we do get a reveal of who, who, who they want to be controlling it. And that is a presumed dead ex-Cobra. Bizarre, man. <laughs> but interesting. Uh, I don't know. On some level, like fan surface. Yeah. I thought Larry Homer hated Serpentor. Right. But, like, what is old is new again, and, I don't know, it's an interesting choice. It almost felt like a Captain America reveal. It's like, we need someone true of heart and forthright and and, uh, tactical genius and someone who can mould to our own purposes. Yes. Like, and we've pulled them off the ice. It's like, it's very Captain America, and then, boom, the reveal. Hey, it's Serpentor. Yeah. Still with that gory (laughs) eye wound from Zartan's arrow. And do we actually know what this eye thing does yet? (laughs) <laughs> no uh no just that it's coming online and okay. it's not it's sort of super technology it's not organic yep. strictly speaking. and they wanted a blank slate for a person to control it so rather than you know put one of themselves under or in containment or whatever um let's just use the body of serpento where did they get that from last we saw i'm pretty sure cobra had it packed on ice at one point Sure, that ice melted a long time ago. Uh, yeah. Wasn't it with Mindbender and the landlocked freighter? Yeah. And Cobra Commander sent that down a river and into an, a volcano and then caved the volcano on top of it. Oh, so yeah. presumably the ruins of Cobra Island entombed his remains. I'd like to see that as a special mission. You know, a team of Alpine, Hit and Run, and some other rough terrain, hostile terrain troops going into Cobra Island and uh, res- you know retrieving... Serpentor's body, that'd be quite a nice little special. I'll mission. go you one better. There was a G.I. Joburg fan fiction where, uh, which we kind of role played on the show one night uh, in anticipation of Halloween, where it was um, Tales from the Arb Coast Star. Uh, right. three, three Cobras team up to try and find their way out oh, wow. of this tomb. Yeah. And they actually do encounter a reanimated corpse of Serpentor. Cool. <laughs> Interesting times, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He yeah, shuffles yeah. into the darkness. He, he wants to know from them individually, like, what they thought of his leadership. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. Yeah, um, it, was, it was an interesting, interesting time. Um, the, other, the other kind of plot point here is the Fred that we've seen in recent issues, uh, 172. The one with the family, with the 172. Girls. So he's got the family and in Seattle, and she's kind of saying, the mother is kind of saying, look, you know messing around and doing certain stuff is one thing but you knew you know your job currently as air traffic controller is civilian lives at stake maybe you shouldn't you know maybe we should get out of this cobra life and and go away and evac so to speak and he's like oh, i'll go and think about it and i was like all oh, right yeah this that seems okay and then i really loved the the reveal though that she was playing them all along and she was like this is chloe 586 you know nice reference that there are um, serialized female agents uh, we have a problem with Fred172. We did the standard test on him just now and he wavered. We may have to take drastic action. So, you know, what are they thinking? They're thinking we're going to have to straight up kill off Fred172 or what? I mean, I don't know. It's um, it's not really like that kind of intrigue in the last couple of panels. And that's where we see at the totally. end of the issue, he teams up with, or he's about to team up with Scrap Iron, Copperhead and Firefly, yeah. Hang on, isn't that a different Fred? Oh, is it? This is the this is the Fred that's working with. Uh, oh yes, Wendy. Wendy. Lynn Sorry, Torres. that's Wendy. That's mm. Fred one nine two. Sorry, Fred one nine one. Fred one nine one is working with Wendy, and he has now got the Cobra guests. You're right, and of course, 
uh, Fred172 is the one who is having second thoughts about being an agent of Cobra. Clever. Clever to have mm. uh, the old trope getting flipped. Yeah. Uh, I said it before, I'm a fan of the female Cobra operatives now testing their CG surrogate father and husband. Yes. That's cool. Love it. Yeah. And I love the way it develops. Uh, I, I can recall that from my previous read of these issues. Right, okay. So it must have stuck with me. Good, good stuff, yeah, good stuff. Man. Um, anything else we want to discuss about these issues? The superhero stuff is going to be with us for some time, Chief. I mean, okay. like, at one point, Snake Eyes is doing cartwheels through the hail of bullets that Roadblock is spitting out with his M2. Right. There are smarter ways of doing action. Larry himself is responsible for those smarter ways. I mean, like, all the action in 21 is plausible and well-paced. This is just all-out mayhem. You can either be a fan of it or not. I'm less inclined to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering if... Do we yo-jo here? Um, I'm just thinking... Maybe we could do 206, 207 and 208. Because 206 is where... Duke kind of sees the eyeball for the first time and Pale Pee and mm. Injinx go to Dublin and that Dublin stuff is kind of wrapped up here at the end of 208 and it looks like I'm flicking forward to 209. We might be getting some newish stuff going on. So I think we can probably yo-jo 206 to 208. Hmm. Okay. 206 to 208. Whoa. Chief, it's a five for me once again. Not mad about uh, the Silver Samurai. And she was the the big threat yes. in this sequence. I love me some motorway mayhem, but there are characters that I give rocks about in it. Yep. You know, yep. if, if this was Destro on the highway. Like, there are very impervious Cobras that have been made to be near invulnerable in our minds. Yes. Like, that would be a match for these guys with their technology, their skills, uh... But instead, we're, we're going further down the revenge path. And any time we diverge from, like, characters that I care about, the, the scores get very low, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I think, I'm, you, Chief? I think I'm coming in with a 5.5 yo Joage. Right on. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. So, we will be... We're actually... <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, good stuff that we were able to yo-jo it, I think. If you should be listening and, and you are reading along, then please be aware we are covering three issues next week. So, that will be 209, 210 and 211 to make way for the following week where we will be doing four issues, which will be the four-issue arc of Death of Snake Eyes. Oh, spoiler. Woo! And we are hoping to have a special guest on for that particular episode. Won't say just yet until it's all confirmed and in the bank, but hopefully we'll give that confirmation next week. But just a reminder, three issues for next week. So read them if you must. Well, you should really. So uh, right now, though, it's time to talk about toys and I need to do some guessing. Steve talks about toys, ho, ho. Steve talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Just one thing before we move on to toys. Uh, Chief, I noticed on a letters page a question that I had got addressed by the man. So back, way back when, several years of issues worth back into the, the annals of history, yep. there was a tank battle where the good guy's tank, an M1 Abrams, 
was manned by Steeler, Covergirl, Cross Country, and Wildcard. Wildcard was the tank commander. Ah, uh, yes. Even though, in terms of seniority and rank, he is the lowest rung on those uh, particular Joe's ladder. This was asked of Larry, uh, specifically since Steeler is in fact an officer, and uh, Larry shot back by saying that in special operations groups, it's not the most highly ranked officer that is that is in charge. Oftentimes, it is the soldier with the most experience in that field. Yeah, I've heard that um, justification before, but uh, this time I don't think Wildcard is even that. Why would he be the most experienced? I don't know. Steel has been with the team from the get-go. Yep. Uh, I just guess I'm poking holes in it, and I'm not looking for a no prize, so I'm not going to try and find some justification. I just think... I think Wildcard is a far more memorable character, and that's yeah. why Larry picked him. Yep. Simple yeah, I think you're right. That. I think you're right. But which toy are you guessing for this uh, episode's toy talk, brother? So this episode, now then, I don't, I don't think there was ever a, a 921 figure made. Uh, <laughs> You'd be right. Have we had Jinx before? If we haven't, I'm saying Jinx. Okay. If we have, <laughs> uh, I am saying, oh, there's definitely no eyeball been made. Oh, I'm saying Jinx. Good guess. I love me some Jinx, but actually, I think it's time we spoke a little bit about Roadblock. Oh, nice. Specifically for this uh, toy talk, I'm going to talk about Roadblock version 2, which is the focus of this issue. That's his um, light or lime green body warmer over a white t-shirt with light grey pants, dark boots. He came with actually a Belgian weapon. Okay. So it's a departure from his uh, M2 Browning. It was called the L7A2, which is actually a infantry used weapon. Whereas the M2 Browning, that's something that you're going to mount to a tank or a jeep. Yep. Uh, this thing is carried in the field by infantrymen. So somewhat of a downgrade from Roadblock's primary iron, but a welcome addition. I mean, this is a far more practical weapon to have in the field. Uh, let's be fair. Uh, <laughs> Roadblock m- manipulating that M2 Browning is impressive, but at what cost? It weighs a ton. And even on a big man like Rody, I'm sure it takes its toll. Yeah, and it's yeah. unwieldy. Like... I don't know, we didn't talk about it at the time, but there was that issue where uh, Darklon is able to get the jump on him while he's busting out of the pit. Oh, yes, I remember that. And Roadblock tries to use his M2 Browning as a weapon, but really it just gets in the way. And I'm sure, man, he must get fatigued picking that thing up all the time. (laughs) So this thing, one can't talk about Roadblock without spending some time talking about the weapon. This gun has been oversized. The action figure's weapon is... Probably like a third bigger than it is, you know, accurately scaled. But that was also symptomatic of the 1986 and and onwards um, eras of G.I. Joe. They tended to oversize the weapon slightly. Right. It has a sculpted bipod, which is accurate to the the actual firearm. But of course, the bipod can't be deployed. You can't sort of flip it forward and separate the legs. Uh, this is a standard infantry weapon used by the British Army. Did you know that? Mm, no, I didn't. Yeah, man. It's called the GPMG, the General Purpose Machine Gun. Okay. It fires a 7.62 uh, round, millimeter round. And yeah, man, this thing's been around since the 1950s. Uh, but obviously it's been refined quite a bit. 
And that's why it finds its way not into the hands of a British soldier, but a real American hero called Roblox. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we would be remiss if we didn't uh, talk about his file card. His name is Hinton Marvin F. He's a heavy machine gunner, primary military specialty, heavy infantry weapons, secondary military specialty, cook. Birthplace, Biloxi, Mississippi, grade E4. Roadblock's dream was to be a gourmet chef. He was working as a bouncer to earn money to attend the Escoffier School in France when an army recruiter convinced him that the army could train him. Roadblock joined but found army menus and preparation techniques too appalling. Mm. Transferred to the infantry. Qualified expert, M2 Browning, 50 cal, heavy machine gun. It doesn't specify. Right. <laughs> so I guess that means all of them. And then it goes one further and says... All Warsaw-packed heavy MGs. That's a lot of guns, man. <laughs> yeah, right. M16, M1911A1 auto pistol. And then it goes into a blurb about the 50 cal, which is lifted from his version 1 file card, which is unfortunate because they don't really talk about the GPMG at all. Okay. But it's it's cool stuff to talk about, even though you aren't getting that accessory with the figure. Hopefully you've got it from your version 1. A 50 cal Browning weighs 84 pounds. Add 50 pounds for the ammo. That's about 134 pounds of steel, generating 2,930 foot per second in muzzle velocity at a cyclic rate of 550 rounds per minute. Anybody who could handle that doesn't need a machine gun to keep me away. (laughs) (laughs) Which almost seems like a quote from rock and roll. Because remember when chimney sweepers come to dust, like the Rattler gets shot down by... Well, ostensibly Duke and Roadblock, but whereas Duke's packing a, a Colt 1911, yeah. uh, <laughs> Roadblock's the one really packing the firepower. It's laughable to think that uh, Duke was able to, to, to add anything to the barrage of fire. Totally. So the gun he comes with in this version is like accurate up to like one and a half thousand meters. Uh, it can put holes through cinder block walls or or even brick if you're using armor piercing rounds. But I mean, the M2 is like the finger of God, man. That can put rounds through like solid steel plate. Yeah. So it is a downgrade. What is not a downgrade is the overall figure. I mean, he's now got a ball jointed neck, a much more expressive face than his original. What do you think of the uniform, Chief? I mean, is it? Is it preferable to his like standard wife beater and and brown pants? Um, I think it took me a little while to get used to the change, but I I actually quite like it now. Really? Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's unfortunate that he now no longer comes with a helmet. Like yeah. I find that a, a, a practical omission. That like even Roadblock, who's showing a lot of skin, like in his version one. He's not going to take a tumble from a silver mirage without, you know, protecting his noggin. Correct. Like, he's, he's got that practicality sorted out. But then, in his media appearances, he never used it. So, I guess this is the toy bowing to the fact that the helmet, while a very practical inclusion, isn't, from a design point of view, going to be picked up and carried on. He also trades in all the wealth of other accessories for this flimsy tripod, which... I dislike, yeah. man. Okay. I first got this accessory with Sonic Fighters Law, right. and it came with a black version of this same MG. But uh, it's it's frail, man. It always gets bent out of shape. The sort of support between the two front legs always gets snapped. In fact, I think even on 3D Joes, <laughs> the one that's pictured is snapped. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah and he doesn't right. have a backpack. Yeah, yeah. Give the man a backpack. Yeah, like he needs a, a backpack. machine gun with no ammunition. 
come on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Are you, are you overall a fan, though, or not? I never was. Right. In fact, Roadblock is a toy that I never had as a child. And I'm finding the love for him now because he's an absolute joy to script. Like, yeah. in my little, like, playtime adventures, Roadblock is a lot of fun. He's just a very large personality. And I do delve into his um, his little tick from the cartoon, which is he likes to speak in rhyme from time to time. Yes, yes. And uh, he, he teams up very well with uh, Major Blood, I think. Block and blood, dude. Yeah, perfect. Exactly. How much fun was that? That was so great. much fun. Yeah, that was you, great. You do a damn fine Marvin F. Hinton, my well, friend. I'm not sure. If, if you don't know what we're talking about, make sure you listen to the last couple of minutes of the previous episode. But um, yeah, good stuff. Did no, you have this toy, Chief? Never had any version of Roblox. Right. Yeah, same as me, man. We missed that step, sadly. Yes. I think, to be fair, he's probably the last Joe I've purchased. Okay. So I'm, I'm, but I'm, I've got him on my desk right now, and I, I love this figure, man. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have feeble arms that the first version had, sadly. Yes. Like so, it, the sculpt does improve in a number of ways, but there's some puzzling aspects to him. He uh, does share the kind of same color palette as Cross Country. Yes, he does. You're right. Yep. Which creates a nice like symmetry between the two characters but really they would never work together very closely i mean we've got an infantryman who's slogging it in the field uh and then you've got a a vehicle driver who's always going to be pushing a really heavy vehicle yeah like the havoc or the mauler but hey it's nice to see them together they certainly look like they they belong in the same unit yeah how many versions i haven't uh normally i start googling different versions is is there any other version worth looking at within the vintage run the subsequent version to this and i'm not talking about tiger force uh, though the tiger force version is a lot of fun he's got a tiger stripe yellow helmet nice but uh, the version that was released in the 90s is excellent great okay. face sculpt even gives him a kind of a ving rames marcellus wallace um gold right. earring wow that's uh, so good dude <laughs> then in the modern era i'd say the finest roadblock uh and i'm talking strictly speaking roadblock here not the rock block good old dwayne johnson yeah, yeah. bless that ain't roadblock uh, <laughs> uh there was a really cool version uh created in homage to the resolute cartoon okay really hulking body sculpts nice secondary over the top and a nice callback to his version one, but more practical. Like it looks like he's wearing a flak jacket or sort of armored vest. And he's got knee pads. Yeah, just overall really, really nice figure. Cool. Came with an awesome looking weapon. Um, Kind of futuristic, but gave the size of the M2. It felt like it was a similar caliber weapon. Yeah. Enough to bring down an aircraft, you know. Yeah. I'm I'm no toy expert or anything, but um, from what I've seen of the six inch roadblock looks really good. The, the classified one. Which is an homage to version two. Yes. With that kind yeah. of lime green vest. And and the distinctive kind of clasps, those red clasps. So that's definitely their kind of, at least in Hasbro's Flavor, mind, yeah, yeah. yeah, the most iconic look for Roadblock. I don't know, it's somewhere between this version two and the version one. The jury's out, but... Oh, I don't know, Chief. Cast your vote, man. Version one or version <laughs> two for you? Uh, I don't. I don't know. It would be different day of the week. I'd probably pick a different different one. I'm gonna go version two. Okay. With the Marduce. Yep. 
Yeah. Gotta be. Oh, gotta yeah, be. good combo. Yeah. yeah, you probably nailed it there. I wonder if the backpack fits into version 2's back hole. I cannot confirm. Something to find out. Something to find mm. out. Um, more toys next week. Chief on a run of uh, one defeat now. Uh, so if I can get <laughs> back onto the winning trail of guessing. But right now it's time to confuse some people with um, over egg in the pudding, a.k.a. British colloquialisms. I think I got those the wrong way around, but it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. <laughs> we got a pudding. We got a pudding. We're gonna over egg that pudding. Ain't got no criticisms. We got some Commonwealth colloquialisms. All right, uh, a put, British put, colloquialism put then. Um, oh, gosh. Um, uh, oh, did I say British colloquialism? <laughs> uh, what would I be referring to if I was saying I'm going to go down to the chippy? <laughs> oh, right. No, I thought when I said I got them the wrong way around, I thought I said Commonwealth colloquialism normally comes first before okay over egg in the pudding but i think i said over egg in the pudding first but then are you saying i followed up with british colloquialism instead of commonwealth colloquialism because i can't even remember hey, 30 it's seconds pandemonium ago. at talking joe tonight oh, ladies goodness. and gentlemen oh, but uh um if you're going down the chi- no you can do do your normal uh south african or australian all right chief Okay, um, no, this is more of a dialectual thing that I've found quite a quirk. Maybe Aussies out there can correct me if I'm barking up the wrong tree. But I spoke to one Australian and, and it, it, she agreed with me that this is an interesting quirk of the language. So in Australian dialect, you would say ass, like, like asshole. Yes. An asshole. Yes. And not ass. So yeah, asshole would be the pronunciation of an asshole. Uh, but then, how would you say B A D A S S? So it can't be bad. <laughs> it can't be bad ass. Bad ass. Yeah, I'm a real bad ass. <laughs> I find that very amusing, and yes. so did she. But yes. uh, uh, I don't know. I suppose maybe you, you modify it and then just say bad ass. A bad ass. Yeah. Um, hmm. But yeah. yeah, she she she. I was to say, very amused by that. Interesting. Moving on to the British colloquialism, if you please. If I had a problem with my bonce. Your head. Yes. Got a headache? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think you even used the word bonce. bonce, did you? On Maybe. You maybe, maybe. Yeah, no. Uh, Chief, I'm a man of the world. Or at least I was before the world shut down. It may well have been when I was watching Diagnostic 80's Cobra Convergence video of top 10 most wanted classified figures. And I think actually he, which I watched, I think yesterday, which he, he actually referred to one of the characters' heads as Bonts. And I thought, oh, I'll steal that. <laughs> I'll steal that. And also at the, start of the video, at the start of the video, he said, it's got me buzzing my berries, which I thought was nice. Uh, yes, a little callback to his time on Talking Joe. Um, uh, episode 80. Check it out, yo. <laughs> what have you got uh, for me now? South African one. This came up in the realm of gaming. Maybe it's global, maybe it's South African, maybe it's very, very, very specific to my region. But if you are cowarding, what are you doing? If you're cowarding, running away? It's too simple, it's too obvious. Um... I think the term in gaming lexicon or gaming lingo is... Sniping? Uh, cheesing. Che- okay. Cheesing. This is in a fighting game specifically. Right, okay. Basically, if you've got someone in the corner... Yep. And you found a combo that is just keeping them from getting up. Yep, yep, yep. That's Cheesy. in at least like the circles that I ran in, in as a kid in Cape Town. You, you were cowarding me, bro. <laughs> okay. Don't coward, man. I might, I, might, <laughs> I might have something in one of my boxes up in the loft that um, 
Yes, I'll take a picture. If I find it, I'll take a picture and I might have a cheese reference in a fighting game for you. So uh, stay tuned for that on the socials, if I can find it. Uh, you're scratching your head thinking, I don't know what's going on here. But um, anyway, more confusion next week as always. But right now, we will close the show out with the usual... We asked you a question, the listeners being you, and you responded ever so well on the socials, so here we read out your responses. Excellent, Chief. Wow, overwhelming response, man. Wow, where do you begin? Yeah, so we posted the question. There's so many people creating great G.I. Joe content out there. Who are your favourites? And are, are there any that are kind of flying a bit under the radar that deserve more recognition for their work? And like you said, the people came out in droves for this one. And we had so many nominations. And this, this is not, just to set the record straight, this is not a popularity contest. We're not saying who is the best, you know, that kind of thing. It's just to broaden everyone's knowledge base to say look there's people out here you might not have heard of go and check out their great work that's what it was all about really facebook was quite tame uh we had lovely mentions of other podcasts like joe and joe what's on joe mind but if you really want to get a community overload check out talking joe instagram that became a very very vibrant uh case of atting and hashtagging yeah. 67 comments which is yeah massive i went through the, the the post and anyone that i wasn't following i hit follow on it was really really good and like i said uh, at the top that it opened my eyes to so many people that i wasn't aware of and whether that's shame on me or not for not you know having done more research and searched out prior but it's more a case of uh chief you're new to this game my friend yeah yeah and it's it's definitely if i had heard or known about of you know 30 to 40 percent of all the people mentioned i am most definitely going to check out a hundred percent of everyone that was mentioned on all of the platforms all social media platforms that everyone who responded suggesting uh, content creator i am trust the chief that i'm going to check out every single one of them so it's it's good it's almost like served double purpose it's helping people to give recognition to those that they like but it's also served the purpose of helping the chief out to uh, consume more great content so thank you for that everyone though buried in the twitter thread we've got an interesting request from octavio padilla can we have a gi joe action figure playoff bracket mm. huh what do you think of that? You Chief? must have done that on Joburg before. Uh, yes, we have. We've done it with artworks, with um, action figure card art ah. and uh, vehicle box art. Okay. But never with the action figures themselves. Okay. So I, I put it to Octavia, and maybe I should put it to you as well, Chief. How do we work it? Do we have listeners suggest their favorites, and then we take the top voted suggestions and then put them in a... I don't know, 8v8 bracket. And is it G.I. Joe versus Cobra, or is it G.I. Joe in a, in a half of the draw versus Cobra in a half of the draw to have... Um, I, I was thinking just a giant battle royale. Oh, so all against like all. The ultimate figures all just thrown into you know an, a 16-figure yeah. bracket. I, I think it might be, an, you know, we're spitballing here, we're maybe going off topic a little bit, but maybe it would be an idea rather than get everyone to suggest their f everyone's going to suggest their favorite figure which is 
kind of what we want so then we've got a broad scope of everyone's favorites and it might turn people's heads to say oh actually i can consider that but maybe we should take like some wild cards so we could have a 32 man field take in the top 20 requested figures and then we'll just randomly chuck in another 12 that no one's even suggested it's a big old bracket right there my man something to think about yep yep big time but yeah thank you for that this um i'm just going through all the threads now and um so many so many mentions here for for everyone i'm i'm this is good because uh i need new hobbies and new things to do i've got nothing you know i've got nothing on my plate at the moment that was sarcasm by well the way. in this uh, era of cobra convergence i think it's it is important to uh you know if you don't know about these guys look them up widen your horizons one content creator who maybe was almost too obvious to list but has put out the definitive G.I. Joe or Cobra yep. musical representation yes. wasn't mentioned. Mm. And it's got to be Word Burglar. There you go. Oh, my word. His concept album, Welcome to Cobra Island. <sighs> if this is coming as news to any listeners and they're scratching their heads right now, hit the YouTubes immediately. And listen to each and every track. It is a, for for a for a hardcore GI Joe fan who has both comic book and cartoon references and toy references to draw upon. There is no more rewarding synthesis of that knowledge distilled into awesome beats and killer rhymes. I'm not a rap fan. Okay, let me just preface by saying, like, as far as rap is concerned, like my vista is very very narrow. So anyone who is put off by the fact that these are rap albums, set that aside. Just trust me on this. I am gifting you this knowledge that Word Burglar is where it's at. Yeah, man. He goes deep. He knows the stuff. So, yeah. Chief, we got anything exciting coming up, my brother? Um, We have a couple of exciting things for you people out there. Uh, Stay tuned because I know you've got your Talking Joe dosage today. But tomorrow, you're going to get some video footage of S-Jubs and the Chief as we unveil Chief's toy box. Whoa, what the heck does that mean? Basically, it means I go through a toy box, pull out toys, and me and Steve discuss them. And the hits just keep coming. (laughs) Friday, we've got Chief's toy box. And then Monday, the 10th of August, is Talking Joe's turn to uh, take up the Cobra Convergence torch. And we're doing not only a special edition of the podcast but a video presentation of said podcast as well. And there'll be little nuggets that uh, you'll find in the audio that you won't find in the video and vice versa. Yeah. So what you going to do? Yeah, you got to listen to it <laughs> once and then watch it once and then do it all over again. But no, that was fun recording that. We recorded that quite a while ago. Uh, S-Jobs is hard at work on the visual elements for the YouTube uh, special um, exciting times in the Talking Joe studio like I mentioned we might have a guest coming up in a couple of weeks uh, a nice high profile guest who who you know we've been admiring over the, the last several months so stay tuned for that mm. but now is a good time to be into G.I. Joe and a good time to be into Talking Joe and if you want to know where to find these videos uh, since Talking Joe doesn't have a, a YouTube channel just yet the Cobra Convergence video will be up on Hooded Cobra Commander 788's channel and G.I. Joeberg the Toy Box video will be going up on G.I. Joeberg and hey Chief should we put them up on Facebook as well yeah let's do it why not I wonder if you can put up uh, an hour-long um, vlog on Facebook. I have no uh, idea. We're going to find out. We're going to find out, <laughs> yes, yes. Is that what it is, an hour? Wow. Yep. 
<laughs> it was a lot longer. <laughs> okay, okay. I've done what I could, Chief. That's okay. but, uh, good man, good man. Um, listen, you can catch me in all the places. Chiefy Two Shoes, that's Chief Y Number Two Shoes, posting daily art pics of all the art I've commissioned over the years. There's been some G.I. Joe ones recently, a couple of Destros, and uh, there's some more to come in August, more G.I. Joe stuff. And uh, check out my man Steve over on G.I. Joeberg uh, in all the usual places, pumping out the content as always. Actually, there's a new episode of uh, Joeberg, this week's one, which I haven't got around to listening yet, so I might uh, stick that on this afternoon, you know. Yeah, good man. Chief, what better way to close out the show than with, uh, just in case I, I wasn't able to convince the listeners, we're going to drop a little bit of Word Burglar in honor of our Cobra Convergence contribution. We're going to play out with... Chuckles, the last laugh. We've been talking, Joe. And we're all out of Joes. Boom. Another takes its place. That's why this nuclear sub about 
to lay the waste Five square miles of reptiles and reprobates Fingers on the trigger and my girl won't let me hesitate This is why she died and now I can see it clear Should know when I arrived I was never leaving here Came through the door, came through the door Came through the door, my mind was thinking all out war Thinking all out war, thinking all out war I'ma settle the score once and for all a fast tongue Yeah, guess I'm my dad's son only weaknesses are women and bad puns Call me Chuckles, never left the job half done Go ahead and laugh, I'll be sure I get the last one Quick wit and a fast tongue, my dad's son Only weaknesses are women and bad puns Call me Chuckles, never left the job half done Go ahead and laugh, I'll be sure I get the last one